Get out your brooms, everyone. The Orioles went north of the border and came home with a sweep of the Toronto Blue Jays. What a weekend it was of Orioles baseball. And I'll recap it all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, May 22nd, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap the Orioles series sweep over the weekend against the Toronto Blue Jays, winning three classic games to sweep the Jays in Toronto for the first time since 2005. I'm going to break down every game in its entirety, get you the five things you need to know from each of the games, and talk about how good this Orioles team is, not just now, but moving forward. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And shout out to the everydayers out there who are with us every day. Shout out to the ones who are with us every day when the Orioles weren't this good. Now the Orioles are 31-16. and 16. They're playing good baseball, and I thank the everydayers now as well for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. For your first listen today, the O's have swept the Jays in Toronto. Now, the Orioles haven't played terrible baseball in Toronto over the years, but as we know, for different reasons, it's been a house of horrors up there at times for the O's. Well, not this weekend. As I mentioned, first sweep in Toronto against the Blue Jays since 2005. The Orioles are red hot and they continue their role. It started with a 6-2 win on Friday, then a 6-5 win in 10 innings on Saturday, and they capped it off with an 8-3 win in 11 innings on Sunday. Orioles with the sweep get to 31-16. and on the season. And I'm going to recap each game and let's start with Friday. The five things you need to know from the Orioles 6-2 win over the Jays on Friday night. Now I know many of you weren't able to watch the game unfortunately with it being on Apple TV Plus but that might be why you're here right now. Well the first thing you need to know is that Kyle Gibson was amazing on Friday night. Now he wasn't the strikeout pitcher we've seen him be at times when he's good like when he had 11 Ks against the Tigers but he was efficient, he mowed down hitters against a great Blue Jays lineup, and he just did exactly what he needed to do and exactly what the Orioles brought him here to do. You could argue even more than they brought him here to do, but Gibson goes seven innings on Friday night, allowing just one run on five hits. He strikes out five and walks two through just 95 pitches, and really, you know, he didn't get hit super hard, allowed just seven hard hit balls in seven innings, which is a really good number for a pitcher who doesn't usually rely on the strikeouts. Velocity was up for Gibson across the board. Basically, every pitch was about a mile per hour above how hard he usually throws it, and it wasn't the swing and miss stuff. That's not what you're usually going to get out of Kyle Gibson. Just nine whiffs on 46 swings. No pitch had more than three. It was about the mix. He again threw all six of his pitches. Something we've seen recently from Gibson is he's gone heavy changeup. His changeup's been either his number one or number two pitch his last couple of starts. He backed away from that a little bit 
on Friday. It was heavy sinker cutter with some changeups and sweepers mixed in. But the mix was just working. And again, it wasn't a lot of strikeouts. It wasn't a lot of swings and misses. But he was in the zone consistently enough to get some chases, to get some soft contact. And that was the big thing of the day. I mean, a lot of balls in play. And a lot of those balls in play just were kind of little dribblers. I mean, his cutter was pretty fantastic. I mean, the average exit velocity against it was 75 miles per hour on Friday night. That is going to earn you a whole lot of outs, and that is exactly what happened for Kyle Gibson. A whole lot of outs on Friday. He did his job against a good lineup and put the O's in a place to win. Now, unfortunately, the second thing you need to know is that Yinyer Cano gave up his first earned run of the season. May Cano's zero ERA rest in peace. 21 and two-thirds innings of no runs before he gave it up on Friday. But the thing is, he wasn't bad when he gave it up. Yinyer Cano gives up a single and a double to start the eighth inning. Orioles leading 4-1. to one. He gives up a single and double. You're thinking, oh boy, here comes the top of the lineup. This could be bad. Bichette, Vladdy, Varsho, Chapman do up with second and third no outs. You're holding on to a three-run lead. Bichette grounds out to second. The run scores to make it 4-2. to two. It's his first earned run, but then he locks it down. He strikes out Vladdy Jr. He gets Dalton Varsho, and he keeps it at a 4-2 game. He keeps it at just the one run. The stuff was working again. And honestly, that was one of Cano's most impressive outings. You would think there's no way that's the case. He gave up a run for the first time. But when you think about it, it was the first time he had gotten himself into trouble. He came in to start the inning. He gave up the single and the double. And to work out of it to only give up the one run was masterful by Cano. Even when he gives up a run, he seems to get better and better every time out. His ERA jumped to .4. Then he threw a scoreless inning Saturday, and uh, the ERA went back down to a more manageable .38 on the season. Third thing you need to know is that while Ryan Mountcastle didn't have a great weekend at the plate, in fact, Mountcastle on the weekend only had one hit. But that one hit was huge, and it continued his onslaught of Blue Jays pitching, and specifically his onslaught of Yusei Kikuchi, who got the start on Friday night for the Blue Jays. Mountcastle with the big swing of the game for the Orioles, a three-run home run in the top of the third inning that put the Orioles up 3-1 to one in that game. For Mountcastle, just slammed a fastball 106 miles per hour off the bat, 419 feet for a three-run shot. It was his 15th career homer against the Blue Jays, by far the most against any team, and his fourth homer against Kikuchi, by far the most he's ever hit, against any single pitcher and he didn't get another hit over the weekend but I can guarantee you Blue Jays fans Blue Jays pitchers still very very scared of Ryan Mountcastle fourth thing you need to know from this one speaking of home runs and power have the Orioles unlocked something in Adam Frazier and have they given him a power bat I mean I don't know what to say except Adam Frazier hit a huge home run in this game for insurance. He only had one hit, but it was a big one. A two-run homer in the ninth inning off of Eric Swanson out of the Blue Jays' bullpen. Gave the O's a nice little cushion, put them up 6-2 to two in the ninth inning. 
it wasn't even a hard hit ball. It came off the bat at only 93 miles per hour. It traveled only 351 feet, and it had an expected batting average of just 120. But the Blue Jays moved the fences in, and that certainly helped the Orioles with Frazier's two-run homer. And Adam Frazier just kind of kick-started a really good weekend for him, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' 6-2 win over the Blue Jays on Friday night is that the whole lineup, really, was productive in this game. Eight of the Orioles' nine starters reached in this game. Cedric Mullins, a 1-for-5 with a double. Adley Rutschman had an 0-for-3, but he walked twice. Mentioned the Mountcastle homer. Anthony Santander also homered in this game, a solo shot in the sixth. He also walked twice. Ryan McKenna had a 1-for-4 with a double. Jorge Mateo had a hit. Mentioned Adam Frazier. Even Joey Ortiz, 1-for-3 with a single. The only guy who didn't do anything was Austin Hayes, who was 0-for-4 with a strikeout. But everybody else contributed. And the O's only had seven hits, and they worked five walks. So it wasn't a lot of base runners, but they did just enough. They got key hits at the right times. The three homers, Mountcastle, Santander, and Frazier. The pitching held up with Gibson, Cano, and then Bautista locking it down, and the O's took game one. And that put them ahead pretty well. But going into Saturday, they were facing Alec Manoa, who, although he's been bad this year, has been pretty good against the Orioles. On the flip side, it was Grayson Rodriguez, who had been struggling mightily coming into this start. But the O's still found a way to win the series on Saturday. And coming up next, I'll tell you how they did it. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. So the Orioles took game one of this series 6-2 to two over the Blue Jays on Friday night and then went into Saturday's game with a chance to win the series. And it was an interesting matchup of two pitchers who had really been struggling lately. Two star young righties who just haven't quite got it going this year. Grayson Rodriguez and Alec Manoa. And I will say, both pitched much better than they have most of the year, but kind of did it in different ways. But the Orioles found a way they win it 6-5 to five in 10 innings on Saturday. And I'm going to get you now the five things you need to know from the Orioles' Saturday victory over the Blue Jays. And the first thing you need to know is that Grayson Rodriguez had himself a bounce-back start after the disaster against the Angels on Monday. And the disaster two starts before that in Kansas City, Grayson needed something to go his way. And he got it. He wasn't perfect. There were still flaws. But he did his job on Saturday. Five innings, he allowed two runs on four hits with six strikeouts and one walk. The two runs he allowed were in that fifth inning, allowed a two-run homer to George Springer when a cutter just caught too much of the plate. Rodriguez threw 91 pitches, and he was barreled up. He gave up nine hard-hit balls in five innings. 
but he did enough to give the O's a chance to win this game. He got six strikeouts in five innings. He walked only one. The command was a little better. But it was a really interesting start because 11 whiffs, that was on the low end for Grayson Rodriguez this year. In fact, I believe that's his lowest number of whiffs. He got seven on the four-seam fastball, which is good. But he was crazy heavy with the four-seamer. He threw 91 pitches in this one. 48 of them were four-seamers. That's more than half. Then 14 sliders, 14 cutters, 12 change-ups, and three curveballs. Now, when the change-up was on, it was good. Like, he started the game with a nasty change-up to strike out George Springer, the first batter he faced. But he really didn't do much with that pitch after that. It was really four-seamer and then some cutters that were getting the job done. He got seven whiffs on the four-seam fastball. Most of his strikeouts came with that four-seamer as well. And the changeup, it was even good when he threw it. The changeup was in the strike zone 75% of the time that he threw it. Eight out of his 12 were in the strike zone. He was getting a lot of swings on the changeup, a lot of balls in play. But he once again just kind of didn't trust his off-speed stuff. And the command was a little off, especially on the breaking balls. But even though he pitched much better, there's still the issues about the trust of the breaking balls. When you're throwing 53% fastballs and your off-speed stuff is that good, you just got to find the trust in it. It was a lot of fastballs. And he did the thing again where if he would throw a bad off-speed pitch, every single time it would be a four-seam fastball the next pitch pretty much. He's got good stuff. The changeup is electric. The slider can be really, really good. But he's got to go to them. And he showed Saturday when he has a fastball that good, like that was his best four-seamer he's had all season. It's so good at 98 with life, he can still get a really good lineup out for five innings in the Blue Jays. But to go to that next level, he's got to keep working those off speeds and get more and more confidence in them and throw them more. And he will get there. But this was a nice just regroup start for Rodriguez. He still had some of the underlying issues, but the performance and the numbers were much, much better. And that's at least a good step forward for the Orioles' rookie right-hander. But even though Rodriguez was out there, the new Oriole who stole the show in this one was Ryan O'Hearn. And that is the second thing you need to know from this game. Ryan O'Hearn had his best game as an Oriole. He gets the start as the DH for the O's, batting seventh against the right-hander Alec Manoa. And O'Hearn goes three for five, with a home run, four RBIs, and two hard-hit balls, and got his average up to 300 on the season with the Orioles. Now, O'Hearn started things off well in this game. Got the scoring opened up in the second inning with an RBI single on a line drive to right field that put the Orioles up 1-0 in this game, gave him a nice little cushion early. He had a ground out in the fifth, but then he had a single that he scorched 107 off the bat into right field in the seventh inning, which was at that point his most impressive hit ball. The Orioles weren't about to or did not bring him in to score. But then he comes up in the eighth inning and in a really interesting spot. There's runners on first and second and two down, and the Orioles are down five to two. And the bottom of the order's up, and you're just thinking, you know what? The O's just didn't have enough in this game against the Blue Jays. O'Hearn's coming up, and the Blue Jays go to the bullpen. They call on Jordan Romano, who was an all-star last year. He's a great closer, and they call on him for a four-out save to face Ryan O'Hearn. You're thinking, best-case scenario, maybe O'Hearn can walk or maybe bloop in a single to get a run home. Oh, no. Ryan O'Hearn just takes over the game in the top of the eighth inning. A three-run homer, a blast out to right center field, 102 off the bat, 406 feet for his second Orioles home run, a three-run shot that ties the game at five. I could not believe it that Ryan O'Hearn 
was the guy to tie this game. And Blue Jays fan couldn't either. O'Hearn had one home run last year for the Royals in 145 plate appearances. The Orioles then acquired him for cash after he was DFA'd this offseason. He has two homers in the last week. The O's have tweaked something, changed something with the approach, with the swing, and it is working out. He is in good scenarios where he can have success, and he is having success right now off the bench for Brandon Hyde and the Orioles. Third thing you need to know from this one is that it was also a huge day for Adam Frazier as well. After he hit his home run on Friday night, Frazier with a three for four in the O's lineup on Saturday. He had himself a triple in the game, had himself two hard hit balls, and just continued to get on base really in key spots for the Orioles in this game. And Frazier, you know, it hasn't been an amazing season, but he has that second inning triple that allows Ryan O'Hearn to score him on a base hit. He singled in the fourth inning. He singled in the eighth inning. It's not like he's absolutely crushing the ball, but he's helping the O's start rallies. He got on base in that eighth inning that led to the O'Hearn three-run homer. It's just been a nice piece. You know, that's kind of what he's been. He didn't play great defense this weekend. That's not very usual of Adam Frazier. But, you know, he got two more hits on Sunday. He ended up with six hits on the weekend. He's hitting 250 with a 742 OPS. He's basically been a league average hitter almost and an above average defender. I don't know if he's, you know, long for the Orioles, like long term, but he's been a nice piece, nice veteran piece so far this year. Fourth thing you need to know from this one is that, unsurprisingly, the Orioles' middle relievers just, they kind of look tired in this game. After Rodriguez came out after the fifth, you had Brian Baker come in in the sixth inning. He allowed a two-out home run to Danny Jansen that then put the Blue Jays up three to two. Then Mike Bauman came in in the seventh. He allowed two runs, uh, recorded just two outs. Then you saw Cole Irvin come in, who was back up here in the big leagues and hadn't pitched yet. The O's basically had to use him. He gave up a hit that scored a run before getting an out. And that's when it kind of felt like, you know what? This bullpen is just taxed. It's now 5-2. to two. There's really no chance here. But here's the thing. O'Hearn hits the three-run homer, and Brandon Hyde smartly says, I got to get my best guys out there, even though they just pitched the day before. So in comes Yenier Cano in the eighth inning. And that's the fifth and final thing you need to know from this one, is that even though the middle relief didn't get it done, the back end was still locked down in this game. Cano comes in, puts up a 0 in the eighth to keep it a 5-5 game into the ninth. Bautista comes out in the bottom of the ninth in a 5-5 game, puts up a zero then. The Orioles are able to get their run in the top of the 10th. Did it in a weird way, but, you know, everybody's always mad at the contact play. The contact play worked on Saturday. Mountcastle at third with one out. Hayes at the plate hits a ground ball to third, and the throw home hits Mountcastle in the back, and he scores the go-ahead run. And then Felix just goes out there and does his thing, in the bottom of the 10th, they send him right back out there. He goes strikeout, 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 all on fastballs to Matt Chapman, Danny Jansen, and Dalton Varsho. He has five strikeouts in two scoreless innings, throwing 31 pitches, and gets the W for the O's 6-5. to five. An unbelievable win, the comeback with the O'Hearn homer in the eighth inning, and the Orioles win the series. And at that point, you're looking at the O's bullpen. Yinyer Cano has pitched back-to-back days and four games out of five. Felix Bautista has thrown three innings in the last two games and has thrown almost 60 total pitches in that stretch. Brian Baker, Brian Baker had thrown also four out of five days in that stretch. And you're looking at the O's bullpen and you're saying, 
I don't think they can win this Sunday game. And you're looking at the series win they got Saturday and saying, all right, they win the game in extra innings, six to five on Saturday. They get the series. You got no bullpen. Kramer gives them what the, what he gives them on Sunday. And you just say, you know what? If you lose the game, you lose the game. You still won the series. Well, then all of a sudden, they found a way on Sunday. Their three best relievers weren't available. And yet they found a way. And coming up next to finish off the pot, I'll tell you just how they found a way. And how they capped off by far the most impressive series of the season. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by So Rare. So Rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace, transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. And unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, so rare managers truly own their fantasy experience. You buy, sell, and compete with player cards, and win or lose, you still own their cards, and there's no cost to play. And you can play in the MLB game weeks, and if you end up at the top of the leaderboards, you can win scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. So head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E dot com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. So the O's win the opener 6-2 on Friday. They win game two 6-5 in 10 innings on Saturday. And they probably feel pretty good. I felt pretty good about winning the series. And... Didn't really mind if the O's lost Sunday, to be honest. Cano, Bautista, and Baker, I would make the argument those are the Orioles' three best relievers. None of them were available on Sunday. I'm thinking, you know what? The bullpen's been the backbone of this team. They don't have them ready. They've won two games. It's a tough place to play in Toronto. Kevin Gaussman starting for the Blue Jays. He's been great this year. I'm just thinking, you know what? It's kind of completely fine if the O's don't win this game. But then they did. They win it 8-3. to in 11 innings. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' win that completed the sweep on Sunday. And the first thing you need to know is that, frankly, Dean Kramer just gritted this thing out on the mound. He didn't have his best stuff, but he still got things done. Five and a third innings for Dean Kramer. He allowed just one run on nine hits. One run on nine hits is pretty impressive. But he struck out seven and walked only two. And the only run he gave up was a solo home run he allowed to Matt Chapman in the second inning through 105 pitches had only seven hard hit balls against him and got through this one and kept the O's in the game. And it was a really interesting pitch mix from Dean Kramer in this game. Now, he had 15 whiffs, pretty impressive on 51 swings. Not amazing, but pretty impressive. But Dean Kramer basically went up there and said, I'm just throwing fastballs, and that's it. Kramer threw, out of his 105 pitches, 36 cutters, 32 four-seamers, and 25 sinkers. He did not throw his sweeper. He only threw two curveballs, and he threw 10 changeups. That's right. Out of 105 pitches, he threw two breaking balls. That was it. Now, how do you get a lineup like the Blue Jays out who hit fastballs well? You mix the three fastballs. You mix the locations. You mix the velocities a little bit. And somehow, some way, you get 14 fastball whiffs. You throw different kinds of fastballs. You keep them on their heels. And even though they got hits... They did get hits off of Kramer. I mean, there there is no way around it. But when you don't give up a lot of extra base hits, you can get through things. And when you just kind of give up that homer and that's about it, 
You can work out of jams. And that is what Kramer did. It wasn't his best stuff, but it was fastball, fastball, fastball. He said, here is my fastball. Try and hit it. And generally, the Blue Jays just didn't do that on Sunday. Second thing you need to know from this one as we flip it over to the offensive side, what a day for Cedric Mullins. Now, he's already hit for the cycle this year, so this was not his best offensive performance, but it was up there. Mullins goes five for six in this game, his third career five-hit game, with two doubles and three RBIs, three hard-hit balls for Cedric Mullins. Probably his biggest swing was in the top of the 10th, led it off with an RBI single, scoring the zombie runner to put the Orioles at the time up three to two. But then he also had a huge hit in the 11th inning, had a two-run double that really put this game away, made it eight to three at the time. He's just swinging a really hot bat. Now he was caught stealing to end the 10th inning. That was the first time he'd been caught all season. He was 13 for 13 before that. But other than that, great day, good defensive day again in center field, five hits. Mullen's now hitting 283 with an 876 OPS. I talked about this a couple weeks ago on the pod. Mullins is looking more and more like the 2021 version of Cedric Mullins. Third thing you need to know from this one is that the Orioles offense got things done, right? Like they came up with some big hits. They scored five runs in the 11th inning. That will usually play. They had 13 hits. They drew three walks in this game as well. But I was honestly really impressed with a guy who had one at bat in this game. The last guy left on the bench. And that is Taron Vavra, who's kind of heating up right now for the Orioles. Vavra really did struggle in April. Hitches 231, got sent down to the minors at one point. But Vavra is now hitting 385 in May. He came up with a huge hit in this game, pinch hitting for James McCann in the top of the 11th inning. At that point, it was a 4-3 Orioles lead. They had the bases loaded with one out. And on the first pitch from Jimmy Garcia, Ortiz, or excuse me, not Ortiz, Vavra lines one in the left center field for a two-run single to put the Orioles up 6-3. He would later score in the inning. And Vavra just had a really nice weekend. Started at third base on Saturday, had two hits in that game in a two for five. He's just been an important player. Didn't play Friday, but an important utility player for the Orioles. And it's getting better and better. He's got a four game hitting streak. He's five for 11 in that stretch. And he's not gonna play every day still, but the O's are more willing to play him now that the bat has finally gotten going after a slow start. And if the bat's going like this, I know he doesn't have a lot of power, right? And most of his hits are gonna be singles. But if he can single enough to get that average, where it's at 282 now, if he can get it above 300 and still play good defense in right field and left field at second base, at third base, at first base if you need him, he's an important utility player for the Orioles. Fourth thing you need to know from this one, Michael Givens returned to the mound for the Orioles. After some up and down rehab appearances, after a knee injury that just wouldn't get better in spring training. The Orioles, who re-signed Givens to a one-year, $5 million deal this offseason to bring him back, finally got him on the mound on Sunday. They activated him to the roster before Sunday's game as they sent Cole Irvin back down to AAA Norfolk. Now, Givens wasn't especially good in this game. He came in in the bottom of the seventh because I'm sure Brandon Hyde wanted to get him in in a non-high leverage spot for his first appearance of the year. But as you know, the Orioles don't play in blowout games. Every inning the Orioles pitch is high leverage. So Givens comes in at the bottom of the seventh, Orioles leading two to one, and he faces the top of the Blue Jay order. I kind of felt a little bad for Givens, that being the spot he was brought in. He gives up a run on one hit. He walked two, he struck out one. He loaded the bases with one out, gave up a sack fly, and then got out of the inning with a strikeout through 25 pitches. He wasn't super sharp at all, but 
I get that when you miss that much time and then it's your first appearance and it's in a really big spot. The one positive I'll take from Michael Givens' outing, he was throwing 89 to 90 in his last AAA rehab appearance, and I was really concerned. The fastball sat 93 and was up to 95 in this game. I don't know if he was just taking something off in that last rehab appearance, but he was back to stuff-wise, somewhat the normal Michael Givens, at least fastball-wise, that we have been used to seeing. Maybe not in a nose uniform, but at least over the last couple of years with the Rockies, Reds, and Mets. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from this one is that just give it up for the Orioles' bullpen. I mean, that is maybe the most impressive cohesive bullpen game that has ever been put together. As I mentioned already, the Orioles went into Sunday without Yinya Cano, without Felix Bautista, and without Brian Baker. It would have had to be an absolute emergency for one of those guys to pitch. None of them were available. They pitched way too much lately. And you could argue that those three are the Orioles' three best relievers. I would make the argument that those are the Orioles' three best relievers right now. And you don't have them available in a close game against the Toronto Blue Jays. A game that goes 11 innings against the Toronto Blue Jays. If you told me all of that, you said, O's don't have their top three relievers, starter only goes five and a third, and the game goes 11. I would say the Orioles 100% lost that game. And then they didn't. It started with CNL Perez, who comes in with two on and one out in the sixth inning. Orioles leading two to one. He walks the first battery faces on four pitches, and you're thinking, oh no, bases are loaded. First pitch, Kevin Kiermeyer grounds into a double play, gets out of it. I mentioned Givens giving up the run in the seventh. Then Danny Coulomb walked a batter, but got a zero in the eighth. Then how about Austin Voth? Shout out to Austin Voth. He puts up a scoreless bottom of the ninth to get the game to extras. Then he gets a strikeout, and then an RBI single off the bat of Whit Merrifield, but it's not earned because it was the zombie runner scoring. Voth strikes out three batters of the four outs he gets and does not walk anyone. And then the O's turn it over to Mike Bauman, who honestly wasn't super rested. And the reason why Hyde didn't go to Bauman until the bottom of the 10th is that he was available, but he was probably the least available of the five pitchers that the Orioles actually had that they could have used Sunday. Because although he hasn't been worked as much as Baker, Cano, or Bautista over the past week, Bauman has still been worked pretty hard over the last few games. Like, he pitched two-thirds of an inning and didn't look very good on Saturday. I mentioned he threw 21 pitches on Saturday. He threw on Thursday as well for the Orioles and pitched two-thirds of an inning and didn't look great, gave up a run. And so he gets to Sunday and you're just like, is he going to be able to close this out? Well, Bauman, before throwing a pitch, picks off Merrifield at first base, then gets a fly out to end the 10th. And to be fair, the Orioles got him a little bit of help, I'd say, as the O's ended up scoring five runs off Jimmy Garcia in the top of the 11th inning. Austin Hayes with the go-ahead single. Then you had Taron Vavra with the two-run single. Cedric Mullins with the two-run double. So that's going to help you from time to time. But Bauman just comes back out there, goes 1-2-3 in the bottom of the 11th with a strikeout, retires all five batters that he faces. Really only faced four batters, but got five outs because of the pickoff and he secures the Orioles' victory. I mean, to not have Cano, to not have Bautista, to not have Baker, and to win this game, to have Austin Voth and Mike Bauman record all of your outs in the ninth inning and in extras and not give up any earned runs, it's unbelievable. I really did think Saturday was the best O's win of the season. 
I think they followed up with an even more impressive win on Sunday with just what they had left in that bullpen and what they were able to do. This is by far the Orioles' most impressive series of the year. They go into Toronto. They sweep this Blue Jays team. This Blue Jays team, all they like to do is chirp, chirp, chirp. You got Alec Manoa chirping at Adam Frazier for no reason, right? No reason on Saturday. You got the Blue Jays just complaining about Aaron Judge looking around at things last week. I do not like the Yankees. And probably no one will ever top the Yankees of teams I hate. But the Blue Jays, for all they've done over the years, they're just annoying. And you know what's great to do to a team that's just that annoying? Go into their house and sweep them. And come home feeling good. Come home at 31-16. and 16. Come home with a much, much needed day off. And come back only two and a half games out of first place. Now, when I say come home, you know, they're not coming all the way home. They're coming back to the U.S., but they are going to Yankee Stadium. And another huge series against the Yankees coming up this week, but they get a day off Monday, which is huge. And the day off means get to reset some things here on the podcast, talk about some other Orioles news and notes, maybe answer some mailbag questions. So get those mailbag questions, email them to us, LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com, or leave them right here in the comments section on YouTube. I could answer them on a mailbag on tomorrow's episode. But until then, Orioles sweat the Blue Jays. I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.